Welcome to the family with... Not so much. Well, sure, why not? Why Doug Sprinthal and Car Selling Secrets can, without the bumper music. We can come in with the bumper music. <laughs> no, okay, no, no I just want Doug Sprinthal, and we come back and introduce the segment. Okay, we'll do it that way. And joining us today is our special guest... That's where you say your oh, name. Oh, that's right. I say my name. Yeah. Charlie Swenson. Yep. Walzer's <laughs> wonderful world of Walzer Automotive Group. <laughs> and Andy Rampernard. Uh, we'll be right back after this wonderful word. You want to do your spot first or second? We don't do a spot. The whole thing is a commercial. Why right, do we'll you do, do a it? commercial then. Let's do our exactly. second. Well, we should do a commercial to use on the air tomorrow. You know, I've been telling. Actually, we'll do that separately. Oh, we'll do it separately. I've been telling Charlie what a finely oiled machine this podcast thing is. Have you ever heard my morning show? It's yes, not it's exactly finely oiled. Well. It's a disaster as well. Yeah, who cares? Oh, Tom, you're supposed to do weather here. No, oh, okay. Whatever. You know, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, I'll get out of the way. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? Oh, the latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us. We talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? And I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. What do you think of that, Doug? I think it's awesome. I do, too. Whose voice is that, Doug? I know who it is. I know it is. I was doing it for the listeners. Lo- the lovely Miss Sarah, my dimin- diminutive wife. I can't even speak, apparently. Um, disaster. I wanted to take a quick minute before we get the show started and talk about used car business in the walls of the world. It's actually been surprisingly good. I, I would be lying if I said it was great, but it's. Uh, I anticipated with all the trouble that we're going through that it would have fallen off as much as it has. I think uh, a lot of sharp buyers are realizing there's some great buys in the used car world right now, especially in late model stuff. There's a lot of lease returns coming back. The market isn't as strong, so that pushes down prices. You can see all our inventory on walzer.com. Do not forget about Walzer to you. We can make the buying experience super safe. You can do all the paperwork online. We can deliver the car to your house. And if you change your mind, we have return policy, so it's it's nearly impossible to make a mistake. Uh, in addition to that, uh, for this month, we are offering no payments for 90 days on our used car inventory. You can see it all at walzer.com. Just hit used and shop to your heart's content, and don't kill your spouse. Buy a car instead. Do not kill your spouse. Good. That's good advice, man. I'm well, you know what it's like being locked up with the missus. Yes, I enjoy it. I'm not sure the missus enjoys it that much. I'm thinking of Catherine's not all that wild about it, but you know. Well, luckily we just moved into a house, so we've been doing a lot of unpacking and things like that. Oh, so you're you have something to do. You have actually. something to do yeah. anyway. Exactly. That's exactly right. Well, welcome to episode. I think is what 45 or so of car selling 40. secrets. Four. 44. That was close. Our guest is... We skipped one recently. Charlie Swenson. Who, Charlie, I, I, forgive me for not knowing this. You've had so many titles. What is your current title with the company? 
It's uh, whatever one I make up every day. So okay. it's whichever one's convenient. When they call and go, who's in charge? I say I'm the janitor. Yeah, right. right. I think his, his name's Andrew Walzer here. Let me give yeah, you his direct line. Exactly. Yeah. Honestly, it's good when you get to the point where your car doesn't have a title anymore. It's just the open space. So, well, you, you know, know, people ask me what I do, and I say I sell cars. Yeah. And that's really what we do. You know, I... In fairness, I actually prefer not to have a title. A lot of times when I'm working on a show floor, sooner or later someone will tell him, hey, if it's at the right store, he's one of our owners or he's our COO, and then, you know, the whole game changes. I like the genuine nature of people are just uh, – in fact, I usually tell them, if you introduce me, I'm one of the managers. It's just more fun that way. Yeah. No, I get it. I, I've done that as well, too. And, and it's – you get more of an unvarnished look from customers of what to, what their expectations are. Okay, as a tradition on Carlos Selling Secrets, we have our guests start out by telling the story of the very first car they had. Uh, and if you, it's not a great story. Just make something up. Oh, theatrical. I'm good at this. I'll make something up really good. Um, you know, first of all, it's been a long time since I owned a car. I think it's been coming up on 30 years since I owned a car. So uh, interesting question. But, you know, my first car was interesting because in 1983, Everybody wanted to have an old Cutlass, so that, you know the, oh, the, yeah. the '76 Cutlass was the car. Supreme with the bucket seats and the T-tops and the, col- and yep. the, the console Lando shifter. Roof. And Don't you know, the best car roof. ever made. And then if you had the Krager wheels, uh-huh. then that was that was a big deal. And so I wanted one desperately. I was bag boy, and I was saving my money in paper route to get this car. And so I was thinking about how great it was going to be. The girls love this car, and so I couldn't find a Cutlass I wanted. And uh, I came across a uh, Regal, which is the same car in, right. in theory. So being proud, I went and bought the, the Regal and got the wheels put on. And I thought, oh, this is the best thing ever until I quickly realized that uh, even in 1980-something, the Regal is an old person's car. So, <laughs> <laughs> so now I had Even the really cool then, car yeah. with the SS wheels that the girls didn't find is cool. So You're, yeah. you're blaming it on the car. Uh, <laughs> That's actually interesting. Yeah, maybe that wasn't the car. <laughs> I have been married twice, so maybe it wasn't the car. That's about the time I started selling cars, 83, 84, and I think 85 and 6, I was at Towsley Ford. And if you took one of those 70s cutlasses in, it was gone before the customers left the finance office. I mean, they just it was an instant sale. Everybody wanted those things. Yeah, well, the, the Lando Top Buick, not the same. No. Just, you know. No, you needed the T-Tops. And for God. some reason, the Oldsmobile was cool. Let me tell you about the Oldsmobile Cutlass. What did you say, 83? Oh, no. It's, uh, that was the year, but the the model of the car was, you know, 76, 77 yep. was the one to have. Yep. Okay, so they didn't, they weren't as nice toward the end of the run, like, say, 81? Those were the, the beginning of the end for Oldsmobile. Right. Okay, well, I'm glad you brought that up because... I got a brand. I'm working at Capitol Records, a company car. I get the Oldsmobile Cutlass with the Lando roof, the whole deal. I drove it about two months. I'm going down West Broadway, going to take a left on 26th Avenue. The entire front wheel and the all of it from Suspension? the axle halfway through the axle came right off the car. It just started rolling down the street. I'm like, what the hell? And it's amazing they didn't make it. I mean, they're gone today. It's hard to believe. Yeah, it's really hard to believe. Because you know, I think it was about, what, 2000 was it when the Oldsmobile went away? That sounds about right. I know it was 2005, a... I think. Oh, really? Four I, or five. It was a thing when I was a kid. I was pretty young when they went away, though. Uh, 2004, yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty close. You know, a small extension to car, funny car stories. I, as I said, I haven't owned a car because I've always had a company car. 31 years I've had a company car now. And so I, I remember the first, I, when I got in the industry, I wanted a company car so bad because all the managers drove Camaros with T-tops. The court, I mean, life was good. And so when I became a night shop foreman, they gave me a demo. And so I was jacked. I mean, literally, I thought I owned the world. And, you know, I'd set up a time to go to dinner with my, my wife and a friend of ours. This is going to be great. I'm I'm gonna. I'm pretty cool. You're somebody. I you literally. Shoot. I've literally arrived. I have something none of my friends have. And insiders is, call them shooters. That's uh, car slang for demos. And so I, I, my day takes forever because I can't wait for it to get over to get up and get the keys. And so I, I get done with the day and I, I, I'm jacked through the roof. And I run up and they hand me some keys and I run outside and my first demo is an Aztec. Oh, whole that, thing comes a- crashing down. Was that an Az- was that a Plymouth? No, it's Pontiac. a Pontiac. That's what Walt- oh, that's, that's, that's what right. Walter White, Walter White that's drives right. in uh, Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, li- literally staring at it. So I drove it home, and and uh, I think we parked in the garage. My wife had a Cobalt at the time, so we jumped in the Cobalt and drove that to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so when I w- first went to work for Walzer, and it, it, we were talking about this on the morning show, it was a it was April. I think of 1986, I got a call from Jack Lucking, a buddy of mine had left Housley and went to work at the Buick store, hires me as a new car manager, which I was completely unqualified for. I'd been selling cars for two years and made it all the way up to team lead. So I'm thinking, finally going to get a free shooter because at Towsley had to pay for him. It was, I think it was $30 a day if they were parked on the lot was the way they, they did their demos. So I'm just so excited. I'm going to be a sales manager. I'm not going to have to go outside or talk to people. You know, it's just the old days, and I'm going to get a demo. He put me in a B2000 stick with no air conditioning. <laughs> That's a rough day. That was not a sweet ride. <laughs> That's a rough day. And Jack. And you feel you know, totally valued, by the way. That's right. right? <laughs> like, well, Jack was a little tight with the money. In fact, in fairness, in the summertime, he was driving 323s with no air, which was really bad because he didn't believe in deodorant. So it was hmm. a little ripe in the uh, closed-door meetings. Wait, wait, who didn't believe in deodorant? Jack, our general manager. Jack Lucking, you've met him before. Oh, I've met Jack. Yeah. I didn't know he didn't wear, why didn't nope. he wear deodorant? Oh. I, farm kid that's fancy. I don't know what his reasoning was. Well, because I can't wear deodorant with aluminum in it. Like, uh, what's it called? Antiperspirant. Antiperspirant. I, I can wear oh, deodorant, but I can't wear antiperspirant. Yeah. I mean, my pits get like this big and bright red. Jesus. <laughs> so, what is that? Beautiful. Well, I never, image. never yeah. saw Jack it with big, bright red. No. See, so I was even worse. That's the <laughs> well, you, it was an problem. allergy, but anyway. It was, God, yeah. We well, were talking the, about the weirdest things. The career motivator, that the, that story, so I had to, the next day, I come in on a Monday. We have his manager meetings, and, and so he pulls me aside and said, we really need to get this service department going, and uh, they're rough. I said, well, what, do you, what are your goals? And he sent me some goals. I said, hey, can I ask you a question? If I could get here, could I, could I get a cooler car? And uh, he said, you have any car, and it isn't a Corvette or a Camaro if you get here. So we hit that goal the next month, and I, first of the month I was standing in his office, hey, where do I get a trailblazer <laughs> or a blazer? <laughs> God, I was thinking, so you guys thought, and it got me thinking, I, I did a little check-in on it. Pontiac is done. Yeah, they went away during the recession. Oldsmobile's done. Yep. 
Plymouth is done. Yeah, a lot of I lot mean, of uh, brands went away. Saturn, like two well, years. What, what you know? In the old days, they were really <laughs> were separate divisions. So Cadillac had a different engine than a Pontiac. It's a different engine than Buick. Oh, so there okay. were variations yeah. Yeah. of of General Motors small blocks and big blocks, but they had their own design studios, and the bean counters, as us car guys like to call them took over in the 80s and they tried to standardize everything to make things more efficient but what happened was there's really no difference between an Oldsmobile and a Buick and yeah and then time slowed down and it's they, they the same people probably rightly said all right we don't need to make four different versions of the same car what if we made one or two let's get rid of these right. these franchises it is kind of what happened really cuz i i'm sure in this modern age it's just too expensive to have so many you know drastically different versions of the same vehicles like in the yeah, 60s yeah. of, of uh, under the same masthead so well think of saturn it was designed developed designed went to the peak and away yeah and how, how did that happen how does that happen well the saturn story was is a little bit different it was really a cool they were the f- first that did a one price selling model really they were at it long before walzer was mm-hmm. and they did it as a manufacturer and there was a, a segment of the population that really likes the whole that selling model a lot of teachers and so on and so forth they just totally dug being able to buy what was a pretty decent inexpensive car yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and the dealers liked it because the margins in the first few years in saturns were really good i mean you know, a typical markup in a new car right now is, is it 5% of your lucky? Wow, that's not And Saturn is, was up in the mid-high teens. So the customers liked it, the dealers liked it, uh, but the factory wasn't making very much money. And then, you know, people don't remember, but we had a, it wasn't as bad as the 09 recession, but we had a recession in 2000 and 01, and that was kind of the beginning of the end for Saturn. They just couldn't make any money, um, and they, they wound up going away. Apparently, for some reason, when you have a business, this is something I've learned recently, the goal is to make money. They don't work well without it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Tough. With no money. I didn't realize your first car was the Regal. I seem to remember you telling me a story about borrowing your mom's car one night. Yeah. Well. Yeah, you'll appreciate it. If you don't want to share that one, it's okay, but it is a fabulous tale. Yeah, it's a it's a great story. So, um I'll move through it quickly, but we, uh, when I was 15, my mom bought a new, you know, first of all, my family was, uh, my my parents were, were both blue-collar workers, and we didn't Dad have a lot. Dad was a truck driver, right? Dad was a truck driver, and my mom worked at uh, at the old Litton Microwave, you probably remember. Oh, Litton. sure. Yeah, and so they both worked really hard for the money. The, the thing I admire most about my parents is we did not have money. We were poor, but they always, we never felt that way. My sister and I always felt like we had everything we could have. But anyway, so the get story going, my, they finally got to a position they could afford to get a car that wasn't a beater. And they went over to Prestige Lincoln Mercury and bought a Lincoln Mark, I think, six or seven. Okay. And uh, what a beautiful car. And so they come home and put it in the garage. And my dad heads out of town. He's a truck driver. And my mom's going on a, on a bowling getaway. A bunch. She's in a bowling team, so a bunch of ladies are going on a ladies' weekend or something, a bowling getaway. And so, me and my buddies have a great idea. I happen to be a, a clean a bakery at a local uh, country club market, and so I said, "Well, guys, listen, this is going to be the night we we make history. We're going to go over to Skateland, and we're going to take my mom's Lincoln, and we'll have all the girls. It's going to be a great, great." Season. And you're 15. And we're I'm 15. Right. Yeah, I don't have a driver's license yet. So my friend Todd, he's going to drive the car for us. 
And so, anyway, I give him the keys to the car, the keys to the garage. They pick me up at whatever it is, 6.30, and then we're going to head from there over to, you know, where you get some liquor, of course. You need that at 15. Yeah. Yes. Well, especially <laughs> well, driving illegally. Yeah. I'm going to provide the car. Could you get some booze out of your parents' cabinet? <laughs> and so why don't you pick me up over on, it was at Douglas Drive in 40 seconds. So he swings by to pick me up at the store, and I come out and jump in. And first thing he says is we back out, and, and he says, as he's doing it, we're doing a Rockford. That's how we're starting our day. You remember James Rockford? And Rockford I remember Files, learning so. how to do those in my dad's car, actually. Yeah, they actually go well if yeah. there's not a pole right. in, in your left rear. And so he Rockfords this thing right into a pole. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. So I jump out, and I'm hoping it's something we can buff out, which I should know it's not because, like, the back window cracked. We hit it so hard. So I walk over, and she's hit pretty hard, right? And um, so my friend looks at me and goes, what are we going to do? I said, well, at this point, my mom's not back till Sunday, so we might as well continue on with the weekend, right? Yeah, sure. Like, why Absolutely. would we call and tell her now? Right. This is, that would be stupid. So uh, anyway, we go out and party, and we have a great night. I'll leave the stories of what happened in the car to itself. But then we get home at about 2 o'clock in the morning, and, and we got to figure out our strategy now. And... Uh, we had a beautiful garage door. It was actually made out of stained glass. They had come out and they made Ooh, this door. And wow. Pride, it was a point of pride for my dad. And so anyway, after a few more beers at 15, and uh, we decided the best idea we could do is to steal my buddy's car, oh. his brother's car, because he's sleeping. We're going to drive through my garage door and hit mom and dad's car, and then that's going to be the plan. Oh. Then we'll go to bed, and then in the morning we'll, we'll call the cops. So... We do this, um, and so anyway, I get up in the morning, I call the cops, and, and uh, the cops show up, and they go, what happened? I told them, and so I speed the whole story up. They interview all the kids, call the parents, and finally the guy says, hey, your, your dad's on the phone. He said, do you want to tell him what happened, or do you want me to? And I said, well, you know, why don't you, you go ahead and tell him? We all know what happened. Someone stole, a, drove through my driveway, which, I, by the way, the driveway was about 130 feet long. So the whole idea that they drove oh, up our driveway was flawed strategy to start with. But it sounded good at... Two in the morning when you're hammered at 15. That was a great idea. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, anyway, he gets on the phone and he says, well, Mr. Swenson, I'm officer, whatever. And he says, so here's what happened. And he tells the Rockford story. He tells about, you know, they found some girls' clothing in the back seat. There's cigarette burns in the car and empty bottles. And then uh, uh, Charlie's friend actually leave X out uh, his brother's car they used to smash through it. I'm sitting here with an open mouth like, what, were you with us? And uh, he says, there's, there's chunks of the garage door between oh. here and his house, which is a block and a half away. Sure. <laughs> Little chunks of the garage door. And, and he tells the whole story. And yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. But the best part about the whole deal is at the very end we had to, we were making three dollars and twenty five cents an hour um, minimum wage at the time, and so we did about five grand worth of damage. And there was four kids, wow. four of us. Oh. So we all get together at the parents, and you know this is back when you did things not well. Dad would take you out behind the woodshed, literally, oh, yeah. and teach you how not to do that again, right? And so we're scared. This could be, and uh, so it gets all done, and it's determined that we have to pay this back, which I'm fine with, and you know, we just want to get out of here. And finally, at the end, my one friend's the kid whose brother's car we stole says, Um, well, I don't know about you guys, but his name was Tom. He said, Tommy's gonna be grounded to the for the rest of the year, and this is like September, right? So, Ooh, Doug, we gotta grab him. 
All right, we'll be right back. Uh, we're gonna take a break and let Charlie finish up this Love the story. See, there's some suspense here now. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard here with CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Great to have you here, Michael. Always a pleasure to be with you, Tommy. So you're splitting the tab at lunch or pitching in on a gift for a coworker. Maybe you got to pay that football pool entry fee and you need to settle up now. What do you do if you don't have cash on hand? You could use one of those third-party transferring services that comes with fees and takes days. But how secure are they? Why not send money quickly and safely with the click of a button without the hassle of a middleman? What's the answer, Michael? The XChat Gap, brought to you by your local community bank. It's safe, secure, and simple to use. The XCheck app. Simply add a new contact by entering their name, phone number, and email into the app. Enter a dollar amount and then initiate the transfer. To accept the payment, the contact simply enters their bank information through a secure link sent via text or email. XCheck, safe and simple from my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. 2020 never looks so good. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With 2020 upon us, it's time to ditch the contacts and pitch the glasses. Take it from me. It's one of the best things you can do for yourself in the new year. I've never looked back from having LASIK myself. And with Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, you can trust you're amongst the best in the business. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. The great people at Whiting Clinic will take fantastic care of you just like they did for me. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. Imagine 2020 or better in 2020. And let 2020 be your best year yet with LASIK at Whiting Clinic. LASIK results may vary. Talk to your Whiting Clinic doctor about your individual outcome potential. There you go. And then he was a she. She said, hey, babe. So we're back. Uh, Charlie left us find, trying to... <laughs> Charlie we about left. To, no, he didn't. He <laughs> left the story thinking he might be grounded for the rest of his life. So what happened? Yeah, so uh, as you can imagine, when uh, Tommy's mom said this, uh, we're freaked because, you know, Ugh. this is not going to be good. And uh, every parent's, yeah, that's a great idea. Great idea. So we all ended up grounded, which I couldn't wait to get to school the next day so I could ask Tom what the hell his mom was thinking. Like, you got the <laughs> dumbest mom in the world, right? We were off with bad enough we had to pay for this. Uh, but the, the sweet revenge in the deal is most parents, uh, about a week into it, my mom's like, I get the hell out of the house. Like, <laughs> I'm being punished because you're home. And, uh, <laughs> which is how parents feel right now with this whole coronavirus thing, You're right? right there, like, yeah, it's totally acceptable. So, and, and the weird part about it is that I was just being me, so apparently that was not good. So, yeah, the only parent that held up the whole four or five months was, was Tom's parents. So the rest of us got off, yeah. That's a lifetime when you're 15 or... Yeah, the, dis- age. the disappointing time, I and mean, if that would have been an age of Facebook Live, think of the likes I would have been able to get. <laughs> I have to ask you a question. You just something just struck me. I went to North High School, so I'm I'm a sophomore because I quit high school at so sixteen. Where, did you grow up in Robbinsdale? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and we had talked about that before, someplace else. But you're too young to remember someplace else. <laughs> it was a it was a club where. Robbinsdale High School and North High School guys would get together and try to pick up women and basically fight in the parking lot. 
That's basically what they did. There was a place a for Southeast and Columbia Heights kids on Central Avenue called the Sun Drive-In that served yeah, the same yeah. function. Yeah, it's absolutely true. But a lot of guys, you know, you probably went went to school with professional wrestlers. I get to know all those Robbinsdale guys. Man, how many professional wrestlers came out of Robbinsdale? Oh, yeah. Robbinsdale is oh. crazy. What a great little town it used absolutely. to be. Oh, and God, yeah. uh, I have memories of, you know, uh, the late 70s, and Robbinsdale is a great little town. And then Minneapolis, too. I mean, I used to bicycle down to the Apple Bombs down there on Broadway, and we get, yeah. we get some stuff. It was a great, great town. It's not like it is now. And I did remember one time a woman, speaking of, I think that's still Robbinsdale. Maybe it isn't. But she was very happy because her boyfriend was going to take her to the Chalette Buffet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was he? He's going to take you to the Chalette Buffet, is he? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I, did you ever go there, or were you, did, were you a little too young for that? No, I never went there. We, oh, the chalet was phenomenal. Well, it give you an idea how bad of thinkers we were when we got our fake IDs at, you know, which is another great story. Uh, but we, <laughs> the first day after getting our IDs, we, the pride was we were heading over to the Iron Horse. Right? Oh, Remember there you the go. Iron Horse in Crystal? Sure, absolutely. That, that shows you what bad decision makers we are when we look back. At, Apparently you didn't want to go to, what's the other place up there? Is it Docmo's? Yeah, Oh, yeah, that, that wasn't there then. That was Mr. Tally, Bob's. That was the Tally Ho. Uh, oh, the Tally Ho. Yeah. Oh, the Tally Ho you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, before. That was a long time ago. Because Rostamos used to be Mr. Bob's. That's right. There was a, yeah. There's a guy. Matter of fact, I think he went to Robbinsdale. I don't want to say his name, but he was the bouncer at uh, the Iron Horse, right? And No, it was, I'm sorry. It was Mr. Bob's. He was the bouncer at Mr. Bob's. And a few... Uh, Angels came in, or Hell's Angels came in, and were stirring trouble. And he said, "You can't do that in here." They go, "What are you going to do about it?" He goes, "I'm going to throw your ass out." Go, oh, yeah, give it a whirl. So they go outside. One of the t- guys turns around and pulls a knife on him, grabbed the blade, and took it out of his hand. Oh, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, Kendall, my friend Kendall. Oh, yeah. Kendall was there, and he said, "Well, I'll help him. I'll go outside and help him out." And Kendall's like, "Apparently, he didn't need me help." <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. But I was a Robbinsdale kid. They had some tough kids at Robbinsdale. Wow. Yeah, it was a tough area. We, it was. We, uh, as kids, it was a fun area, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely loved it. No question. So I, I, I think I know the answer to this, but refresh my memory. Did you drive truck for a while, too? I know your dad did. Yeah, so from time to time, that was the punishment for me is when I... <laughs> Well, I never knew that part of the story. <laughs> this was the threat. If you keep acting like that, young man, you're going to go with your dad. But not sure that was good or bad. So I, I ultimately did something probably stupid. I don't even remember what it was. It was life was so stupid things. But uh, I got the, it, I got the indictment. I'm going with dad. And so uh, anyway, yeah. So I didn't think it was too bad until finally about, uh, I don't know, somewhere in Wisconsin. Uh, North Dakota, my dad says, hey, get over here. I said, what? He said, jump in the seat. Oh, it's an 18-wheeler, right? We're running down the road about 90 miles an hour and jump in. And so I start steering, and I'm like this. And he says, uh, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna grab a nap. <laughs> what do you mean you're going to grab a nap? And he goes, yeah, I'm going to grab a nap. I get a couple hours of sleep. He said, well, you know, could you drive? I'm like, I, I don't know what to say, right? So I'm here, you know, I'm white knuckled and this big thing hopping around and everything goes fine it's not hard to drive it's just like driving a car and, and a little bigger and uh, which is everything is great until uh 
we're getting into Montana and I'm starting to go up a mountain and to lose speed. And I, I try to mm. shift just like you do a car. Right. Right. And so I shift gears and this has to be two hours into my driving, right? Like I've been white knuckled for two hours straight, <laughs> never changed gears. Like, I don't know what it is, like two o'clock in the Your morning, right? nuts. And uh, so nonetheless, I, I uh, shift, I downshift and then I feel the whole truck lifts up. Right, like a big kind of like lurch, and then nothing. And I hear a banging noise, and so I, I, out of the sleeper comes my dad. And what you know, he's got some words that are healthy for 1980, and <laughs> and he's I have no idea what's going on. By the way, I'm totally confused. And uh, so I pull off this side of the road while he's yelling at me, and uh, we stop. And he jumps out of the cab, and I'm like, I don't know what to think at this point. He jumps in. He's got more choice words about exactly what he thought happened happened, but I still don't know what happened. And now he's explaining we're going to have a thousand dollar toll bill and life like I'm an idiot and all these things that are great. Well, as it turns out, uh, he failed to mention you're supposed to double clutch when you shift these big trucks because of the weight, which that party left out. So I put it in gear and dropped the clutch and snapped the driveline just like that. Of course, we're, you know, I don't even remember where we are at this point. I'm traumatized by my being an idiot. I'm I'm thinking he's actually pretty kind. But yeah, so we, I end up on the side of the road with. A 200 mile tow or some <laughs> crazy thing. God. So, did he take a little bit of responsibility for not telling him about double clutching? Yeah, well, this, what happened was we got to the truck stop finally, and he gets on the phone at the Motel 6, and, and I'm sitting next to him. He says, Yeah, you can tell you what, he's staying home with you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you handled it well. It worked perfectly. That was life as a kid of Charlie. One day my mom actually went to school. I got in trouble in the principal, and she, the principal says, hey, I don't know if he can, you, you know, we can handle him here the way he creates, you know, issues. He thinks he runs a place. And she says, hey, look, I pay my taxes. I take care of him at night. It's your job during the day. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Life as a kid It's for funny me. how we grow up and then who, the people we turn into when we get older. It's I, I've been pretty lucky raising four kids that uh, none of them really turned out much like me at all <laughs> yeah i only have one that gets a little sideways my daughter the one girl and she's fortunate that it's me because i uh i totally get it she she got in trouble one time and i i had to ask her hey you can't associate with people like this they were throwing eggs at houses and oh uh, yeah i had to go get them i was the only dad that would, they were willing to call so i had to get all the kids and the police had them and we get all done and we drop all the kids off and and it's like 2 30 in the morning and i said sweetie look you know dad's pretty open to you know you gotta have a little fun but you you gotta hang out with a better crowd like you gotta be a little smarter in this and i said that all makes sense to you and she says yeah dad but i just want you to know something all i was doing i didn't throw any eggs i don't know the boy's house we were throwing them at or the other boy's car said just so you know it's important i was the getaway driver (laughs) (laughs) that's much better she's 19 this is about a year and a half ago and so finally so i'm going to sum things up with this sweetheart in any situation your job is getaway driver probably one i'd stay away from that's right just leave it at that <laughs> i had a similar thing with with my son we've got a three-car garage but it's a short driveway and when the kids are all there it's just like you know they all have their own car so you got to move them to get out sometimes and i'm moving his honda and i look in the back seat and there's a half gallon a half empty vodka rolling around on the floor i'm like yeah and i don't i don't know but i don't think wesley drinks i, I think that he is uh, a fan of bob marley if you know what i'm saying 
But uh, so I bring it in, and he gets up, and he's having breakfast. I said, but, you know, I'm not snooping. I'm not going through all your stuff, but this is in the backseat of your car. What's going on? He goes, well, I've got this friend, and, you know, he's back from the National Guard, and he likes to have cocktails. And I said, well, then when you lose your license for a year, you can have Matt give you a ride or pay for your Uber fares because that's what's going to happen. And he goes, I know, I know. He goes, Dad... I know I'm 18, but I still don't always make great decisions. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So how do you get mad at them, right? Yeah, it's fortunate for them that they're, <laughs> you know, uh, I always have to remember I can't get too far because Grandma could call and talk about the That's Lincoln. Right. Yeah, we could have the Lincoln speech. So. Yeah, my dad's done that a couple of you times. You don't mean the president. <laughs> no. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that, well, they, they, we were talking the other day about that, uh, that Dunning-Kruger effect where people – Basically, the dumber you are, the more competent you think you are. Yes, yeah. it's literally something. And the best example of that is a sophomore in college. Oh God, because they brutal. think they know everything and they don't know a damn mm-hmm. thing. So to say, I'm 18. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you got nine more years of brain growth. That's, That's good. right. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I, from time to time, have to you know remind myself just let it take its course. Right? Like, how bad could it be? I always see how they do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the chances are good they'll turn out fine. So, Well, you know, Andy and Alex, they didn't have gotten any legal trouble. It's just the school thing was a little bumpy. Was yeah. it? School wasn't great. No, for either one of you. was expelled twice. And so was really? Alex. Really? Yeah. So was Alex. Wow. You know so why they the expelled crimes? her once? Well, of course we want to know. She, the last day of school, she wanted to stay in touch with one of her classmates, wrote her phone number on the back of her hand, and they expelled her for that. Well, there was the one school that they weren't super fond of us to begin with, so there's that whole thing. Then why? Oh, because of me. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. That's nice. <laughs> That's the one where they both, they accused Possible. us of... Uh, it's true. Someone slipped a note under the principal's door saying, you know, screw the uniforms, freedom, et cetera, et cetera. Freedom! You know, teenager crap. Um, and, of course, Alex and I were both prime suspects because of handwriting analysis, even though if you look at our handwriting, it is not at all similar. <laughs> you were framed. So, you were set up. Yeah. We, said everybody in every prison everywhere. Well, that's, that's true. true. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't care enough to care about the uniform policy. Yeah. I, you know, just go, go to school, don't pay attention, get home. Play video Forget games. about it. Exactly. All right. Well, exactly. at least you had a, at least you had a game plan. I was too apathetic to be a rebel rouser. Yeah. What's great about that argument is that we're still shelling out for tuition every year. Well, he's going, ah, I don't want to yeah, pay attention. Just, I didn't really uh, understand the time value of money when I was a kid. No, you certainly that would did have, not. That would have been a flaw for me. I would have said, hey, look, clearly couldn't be me that delivered it because you certainly would respect it. I wouldn't put it under the door. I'd have literally walked in and threw it at you. Get here. Right? Like, here you go. <laughs> here you go. Exactly. Just so you you know. Yeah, you and I have that in common. That's very true. It's like, here, yeah, I, you know, whatever works. Charlie, how did you get in the car business? Because nobody really gets into it on purpose, I don't think. It's usually somewhat accidental. Yeah, you know, it was interesting because uh, I had a good friend of mine, Tom, in fact, uh, the one who uh, was... The troublemaker. The, yeah, the troublemaker. We'll with, with a shitty parents. He, he was part of the team that got us almost <laughs> grounded for a long period of time. Great, uh, great individual, by the way. Tom and I were friends for years, and he was a, he's a remarkable mechanic. He is today even. And, um, in fact, might be one of the best mechanics I know, but or technicians is probably the proper term. But, anyway, he worked at uh, Chevrolet, and uh, he came in one, one day, and he was complaining about his service rider, and this guy, gentleman, was had some age to him, and... 
wasn't able to keep up and so he asked if there's any chance i could help out and so you know the short version is i ended up coming down there be a night service writer and um and uh you know selling was something i really enjoyed i enjoyed talking to people and probably Mm -hmm. what made me successful is i didn't i wasn't smart enough to know what you should or shouldn't sell so if a technician came up and said hey this car needs a you know three thousand worth of work i sold three thousand never dawned on me to go wait a minute this is totally wrong or the estimate's too high and so you know i was gifted from god that i could sell it and then those guys didn't i didn't know any better and so that's essentially i got in by accident he asked me to be a writer and then so i did that and the roadmap went to 26 positions from there but it was a total accident i was i was working at applebee's during the day um as a bartender and working uh at chevrolet at night wow total that's a accident. Long day. yeah Remember those days? Man, working all those jobs to try to put enough money together to live? God, that was amazing. Yeah, the best job I ever had in that deal for fun is I was uh, I worked at the Pacific Club. And you guys certainly remember the Pacific Club. So that was like the best job ever, by the way. You Bar- were a founding member of the Pacific Club, weren't you? Maybe. <laughs> Isn't that, that a- where Paul met his uh, Becky? Yeah, so you know it's, it wasn't great to work there because right. all you did is get drinks spilled all over you and blah blah blah. But the after party was there was only one way to be in the after parties. You had to work there. So now that was on, yeah. that was on Fifth and Hennepin, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, Fifth and Hennepin. It's it's so hard to remember where all these places used to well, be. Well, that's the lumber exchange. Yeah, it was in the lumber exchange. Right? Yeah. No, 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 no. It was right across from of, the nineties. Right. Yeah. So that. So it was a little, about a half a block down. Yeah, you had the 90s, then Moby Dick's, and then uh, Pacific Club was on the other corner. There you go. You're thinking of of, um, Club Casino. Oh, yeah, that's true. Club Casino down in the basement. Went in there with the old uh, Jeff Warner and his brother, the professional hockey player. I saw somebody posted a drone video. It was... Like really, in the, early in the morning, a couple of days ago, downtown Minneapolis, and it's just completely deserted. I it's, know. it's it's cool amazing. looking, but it's kind of weird. It's very very weird. Oh, we gotta go. All right, we're gonna take a short break, and we'll be back uh, for our final segment of car selling secrets. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is the equal opportunity employer. So that horn section is me and my daughter. I hadn't played the trumpet in about 35 years before we did this. 
it, I thought my lips were going to fall off. Really? Yeah. I suppose. Yeah, that's a whole different deal. Yeah, you got to get vibration muscles that you have to get in your upper and lower mm. lip to play those instruments like that. But it was kind of fun. So, like every horn is that way? Uh, no, the the one that I can't play actually is um, the clarinet because that takes different muscles. It's a mm. whole different kind of thing, but. Trumpets, trombones, all those. The that's brass, the, the yeah. Same. All the, the brass. Reed, the the reed was a different deal. But I can play saxophone <clears throat> a little bit. I mean, a terrible sax player, but I can play notes on it. Oh, but okay. the clarinet, it just sounded Clarinet's like a woodwind. I think. Right. I was so getting. It's a little different. I was yeah. stabbing a duck or something. That was about the best tone. Stabbing I could get a duck. Ah! Now ah! we're talking. Tom, did you ever play a horn or any instrument? I played a guitar and the drum. I was mostly a singer though. Yeah. But I was a drummer. I was a better drummer than I was a. I uh, played a little piano, a little guitar. Oh, did you really? I didn't know you played piano. That was, God, I haven't played a piano now in probably 40 years. Been a long time. That's fun. I made all my my kids play piano. I says, here's the deal. You're going to take piano lessons for two years, and after that, you can quit. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want. And my daughter quit pretty quickly and then took it up again four years ago. My son played for seven years, and I was I was kind of cracked because he was getting good. And then he hit, you know, went through puberty and got interested in girls. Yep. And it's like, I'm not going to play the piano anymore. Did you see this kid that's going to be taking the first draft, the NBA draft? He's from Minnesota, played college at Arizona. I, I can't remember where he played high school, high school basketball. He's eight. I don't even think he's 19 yet. He might be 19. But he's going to be taken in the first round of the NBA draft. They uh, said, this is on Channel 4, I saw the report. He said, he taught himself how to play the piano. This kid sits down and just kicks the piano's ass. You know, my ne- I, mean, I have, a nephew, that, I have a nephew that's like that. He was a oh. percussionist in high school, but he can play anything. And he's just, he's just an amazingly gifted amateur musician. His name is Zeke something, Zeke. I can't remember Zeke's last name, but what a talent. Hmm. Oh my. Nicest kid in the world, too. He's a great parents. ball player, too. He's oh, yeah. Phenomenal ball player. Wow. It's his last name. It's like Iliad or something like that. Iliad. Mm. It's kind of like Iliad or Ilion or something like that. Yeah, uh, you're on the right path. He's. I watch him yeah. play a lot. My son goes to Arizona, yeah. so I watch him. Oh, yeah, him. there you go. Yeah. Zeke Naji. Naji. There you go. N-A-G-J-I or something. N-A-N-N-A-J-I. N-N-A-J-I. Yeah, the Naji. Yeah, Zeke Naji. What a play. So did you ever talk to the kid? No. Nicest kid in the world. I've never met him, but the the you know he's got good solid parents. The whole deal, you know, just this kid's got it all, man. I, he's gonna have a very very bright future. And I gotta run a question. This is a quiz for all of you. All right. Uh, the government relief checks that people are getting. What are uh, three of the things a lot of people are buying with that money? Sneakers, iPhones, and Honda and- Civics. Probably not Honda Civics. Not Honda Civics. Cigarettes. Toilet Alcohol. paper is certainly out. Yeah, I think it's fine. I can't find it. I have a very low it. opinion of humanity, so I'm probably wrong. But. Uh, no, actually, comparatively, you have a high opinion of humanity. Oh, great. Uh, alcohol. Hookers. Guns. Uh, you're close. You're getting closer. Yellow cake, uranium. Yes, that's it, yellow cake. So they're buying lots and lots of very expensive alcohol, like very expensive bottles of wine. Because uh, it's not their money, so they don't give a rat's ass. Well, it's going to be their money if they pay taxes. So. <clears throat> um, well, the, I'll save the other one for third. So there's very expensive booze. Uh, a couple of people have bought tigers because of tiger. Oh, of course. no. They buy a tiger with their government check. Of course. And the third thing, I can't look at any either one of you when I tell you this. 
Several people have purchased dildos. Of course. <laughs> what? Well, How much is a good dildo these days? Andy, Andy go ahead question. and Google ask, that ask for Pat us. Ask Pat Ebert yeah. when he gets here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me just oh, like my browser. What? You guys look like things are going well at your house. You had a new pool and you've been on vacation. What's your dad do? Yeah, he's yeah. a dildo salesman. <laughs> he's really kicking ass right now. My dad's a dildo. What was the strip club on uh, uh, University and right? Was that the uh, the Faust? Faust Theater, yeah. So I worked with yeah. this guy at Towsley Ford. He was a pretty good salesman, and I asked him. I said, uh, "The notorious." Yeah, how'd you learn how to sell? And he goes, "I was the top vibrator salesman at the Faust for two years in a row." <laughs> well, see, so Charlie nailed it. Yeah, yeah. my dad's a great uh, vibrator salesman. There you go. You know when they closed that place down because they closed it down. Yeah, that's right. right. They cleaned up Frogtown. The Belmont was like kitty corner. The Belmont was, right. yes. Uh, I watched the... the now, I know this because I was Alexander. a cab driver, not because I... Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, sure. You and Ferris Alexander were hanging out. No, actually, I, I grew up with his kids. When yeah, we first right. moved to Minnesota, we lived in Forest Hills, which was Highway 7 and 494. Yep. And there was the Alexander kids, and they had this really cool house with an indoor swimming pool. And mm-hmm. come to find out, Paul Walzer used to live right up the hill from us in the backyard. And it's like, where's your dad anyway? Because his mom was always there. Ah, he's away on business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was in Stillwater. <laughs> well, his business, he's doing business in a cell. But, That's right. you know, other than that. but the great thing about it is uh, that was shut down probably in the late 80s. Yeah, that's something about like right. that. Uh, KQRS, the morning show, had just blown up. It was huge. It had like a 30 share or something. So they're closing down this filthy strip club with this filthy owner and it's they're talking about how wonderful it is this will be gone this blight on the mm-hmm. on the uh, local landscape literally every three feet out of somehow strategically every three feet there was a kqrs bumper sticker <laughs> in the entire time they shot it. it's like you didn't put those there to make us look bad did you unbelievable God, what a time. I got a car-selling question for Charlie, and we'll talk. This is odd. We've gone almost the whole show and not talked about selling cars at all. Because you guys are in a car It's actually not at all. (laughs) So we started this whole Walzer to you thing, which tell us, I mean, you're seeing the inside of this. I just see the results from the outside. How well is it working? What's it about? And do you think it will continue after we get through this whole coronavirus thing? What's Walzer to you? <laughs> and that's the end of our show. Boy, Paul, Paul, just go ahead and don't listen to this one. New title, Lot Guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, actually, it's interesting. So, what a lot of people don't know about Walzer to you, first of all, is that this this idea to try and uh, serve the customers' needs better was in in full development before the coronavirus even came, which is how it came to market so quickly. Mm-hmm. We were. Had there not been the, the restraints of the coronavirus, this would have rolled out uh, maybe two or three weeks later. But we were already underway, so that obviously made the, the roll-up look more put together. So uh, the, to answer your question, will it continue? It's absolutely will continue. That was the idea going in. The whole the whole nucleus behind it is that in a lot of the things, the way we do business, trying to change. And, you know, Andrew Walzer says this all the time, which I admire about him, is let's look through the glasses of the customer. Yeah. Right. We just industries, you know, all sales industries look at things through the eyes of the seller and rarely through the buyer. Right. A lot of times the buyer's the enemy. Yeah. Sadly enough. Best prices kind of become a bit vanilla um, only because everyone tries to, you know, uh, uh, 
they try to copy it to some extent, yeah. right? And so, but Andrew's always been committed uh, all the time is that you'll hear him say, hey, let's look through the eyes of the customers, look through the eyes of the employee. And so the idea behind it is is got a long vision about taking uh, the changes in our industry uh, and bringing the car to the customer. And so um, it's here to stay. My guess is that it will only gain traction. I think more and more people today know what car they want. Um, I remember early in the days when people used to come into Chevrolet and say, we're Ford people, we're Chevrolet people. No one does that anymore. Really? No. No one's aff- affiliated with a car anymore They're affili- or with a brand. Yeah, they tend to true. walk in and say, hey, I'm here for a Camry. I'm well, here look for... look at what you've got. Yeah. Well, mafia cars. Yeah. Well, kind of. That's exactly what Catherine says. What kind of mafia car are you going to buy next, Tom? But it's not you're not brand loyal. No, they have a Jaguar. Actually, I didn't even realize this. So as soon as you're done, I'll tell you why that happened. And I okay. didn't even know that's why. Yeah, it's interesting. So no one does that, right? So right. most people come in, and in fact, I, I, you know, one of the statistics in our industry is they say most people who buy a car don't confuse this with everyone. But the people who purchase say that they only visit one point something store. So you fill in the next number one one to one eight, whatever you, whatever you like. You know, and when I train people, I remind them that that basically means the, the whoever goes to another store is because you pissed them off or talked them out of it, right? right. So they tend to come right. in for right. a vehicle. And so if you kind of think about that, and then customers believe that the thing that's most painful buying the car is the waste of time in the finance process, you eliminate both of those by just taking the car to them. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Uh, you know, the digital aspect is showing them the car and all the options. So really... I mean, it's picking up steam. I mean, it's really, really picking up steam. Well, We're selling, uh, you know, the number started out as a handful a day. Is uh, I mean, that's going into double digits every single day. That's great. Yeah. Just so you know, uh, Andy's wife is a customer of ours. She bought a Rogue at uh, YZ, and she was interested in the whole service side of Walzer to you. And I said, do me a favor, try it out, but, you know, don't don't say I'm Tom Bernard's daughter-in-law. Just tell me how it went. And she was really genuinely impressed. One yeah. of the things that I didn't realize that they were doing that I thought was kind of cool, she said, you know, even when they dropped the car off, there was a hang tag from the mirror saying that all driver touch services have been sanitized. And I think it's always interesting to hear from the customers what these experiences are like. Because, you know, I've been involved in designing some different experiences over the years, but you always go, okay, are we executing it properly? Or is this just talk? And it's it's interesting. It's really encouraging. It's uh, the encouraging part. You know, we're not perfect at it. No. So, you know, in every scenario, there's a lot of room for improvement. The part that I'm most excited about is the feedback early is that our staff is is doing a, a really good job of trying to make it perfect so i mean that in the eyes of the customer right. is good so we're we're excited about that was it the wyzetta store you did this the walls are to you from i believe so yep. yeah. yeah it was the nissan store i happen to be personally like that one the most <laughs> you know what's a, yeah charlie's yeah, got yeah, a, yeah, an yeah. interest in the success of the wyzetta well, nissan there's facility. nothing wrong with that um i literally how long how long you been on the air now with us I have no idea. Eleven years. Or I something. think. Well, it goes back to seven or eight. Is it really twelve years? Hello? Yeah, twelve, thirteen years. That's Hi, Pat. Pat. We're broadcasting uh, right now. I don't know if you know in the radio business that. <laughs> no, but he has. He has in. killer brew root beer and. We just got soda. three more minutes. Three well, you minutes. You can come in if you want. Come in and sit down if you want. It's fine. Um, Stay away from Charlie. He just came down with a cold. 
Oh, he's got. Look at that. He's got. Don't oh worry about God, the cold. Wow. The fever is a little rough, but, but don't not, worry about the cold. I am not kidding you. In the twelve or thirteen years that Walzer has been on the KQ Morning Show, this is a true story. Not one person has ever complained about you guys to me. Mm. Not you know, one. I, I get, That's amazing. I get some complaints once in a while, and I'm glad that I got them because they're usually what about respectful. Me? And I'll, no, 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 no. Nice guy. Well, that prick. Tom. Like what Charlie said, we're not perfect. <laughs> and I say, look, here's the deal: we sell forty thousand cars a year. And we service probably what four hundred thousand. We're yeah. gonna f something up once in a while. We can't be perfect all the time, but it's ninety percent of the time it's a communication problem. Right. And you can talk through the problem and make people happy. The other ten percent are radio salespeople, and there's no satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Them. Oh, radio guys are impossible, but <laughs> they uh, really are. There's no question. It really is a direction. You know, it starts with with Andrew and Paul, and I believe the same thing. I've been fortunate in my career that the times that uh, I made some big mistakes early. You know, some other time when I come back, one of the funniest stories in history is telling a service customer literally to go to hell. And he said he knew Steve Bloomer. I'm like, yeah, sure you do. Beat it. He did know Steve Bloomer, yeah. as it turns out. Um, I've done that a couple of times. Yeah, so you know, like, I'm not going to let that happen again. <laughs> exactly. It's probably not a great career move. No. Um, but, you know, genuinely, I look at it that way. It, and uh, it, what I tell our team all the time is, hey, look, if you wouldn't look at every deal like you would your mom. By the way, there are times that you have to tell your mom no. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, and so it doesn't yeah. mean they get everything. The, the philosophical idea, customer is always right, I think, is flawed. I do too. Um, I think that you want to treat people the way you want to be treated, and none of us would want to be treated negatively. So mm-hmm. if you just use that, you're right. I'm, I'm fortunate because having, uh, you know, 20 stores or just under 20 stores that um, report directly to me, the amount of people that get a hold of me that are unhappy is pretty small. Yeah. Yeah, and the ones that do usually, uh, honestly, they're pretty far-fetched. Sometimes I have to remind them, hey, think about it. By the time you got to me, right. and, and I don't think I can help you, that, that says a lot, right? <laughs> Go ahead and contact the BBB. It would be in my best interest if you did because it will be easier than dealing with you. That's not a good place to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I'm with, I was at a friend of mine, and we used to sell cars together. Do you know John Plank? He's a wholesaler, but before that, he's a he's a retail manager. He worked for the Whitakers over yeah. on Robert Street, and I'm it's my day off. I live in Invergrove. I'm in his office, and the sec, the receptionist says, "Same guy, line two. He's really pissed." So this guy picks up the phone. He's listening to him, and he's obviously the customer's just teeing off on him. And John says, "Hang on a second. I got to tell you one thing. I've got all the time in the world, but I still don't have enough time for you." And he hangs up on him. I'm like, "Oh my." <laughs> We've all done that when we were young and learning. Look at that. You hit it to seven seconds. I know. I'm getting better at this, even with the clock behind me. That wraps up another exciting episode of Car Selling Secrets with Charlie Swenson. Tune in next week. Uh, Mike Veck, the president and part owner and partner with Bill Murray and the St. Paul Saints will be on. Hopefully he's going to come into the studio. This is more fun than doing it on the phone. I imagine he would come in. He's got nothing to do. Yeah, no. He's just giving away money to the local businesses that are struggling. Other than that, he's just sitting on his ass. Exactly. That's exactly it. So that that, uh, takes us out. Thanks very much for listening. (laughs) 